You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here is your host, it's Mr. Carl Stebbings. Well, hello and welcome to episode number, thanks for that, Matt, 58 of the Plane Talking UK (laughs) podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and uh, not in my kitchen studio this week. We are in Matt's conservatory studio. Have you moved out and not told me? Is that what's going on? I don't know. I keep coming over. It's because I get fed. Ah, Every time I I come here, I get fed. So that's why I come over. It's only only humble bacon rolls this morning. Mm, I know. That's lovely bacon rolls. Yeah, yeah. yeah, With duck eggs as well. Of course. You know, is it the joys of the farmer's markets locally? It's lovely. Lovely. Living in the countryside. Indeed. Yes, yes. Well, I suppose it's because I live very close to your mum as well. So it's sort of. Literally across the road from my mum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> right. So, yes, it's been uh, a news-packed week uh, full of news. We've got some sad news as well that, mm. that we've had this yeah. week in the Aviation Network. Yeah, very much so. um, But there's also a lot of other good uh, news stories as well yes. we've got to cover. Yes, including um, the mandatory sort of slagging off Luton Airport, which is a, yes. a personal favourite of mine. Yes, always. yes. <laughs> but uh, now, how's your week been, Matt? It's been all right. Yes, I good. I, as I said last week, going to London, that was that yes. was That went surprisingly Did you see smoothly. the Queen? Uh, no, no, she was out. Okay. Uh, uh, my, my invite it was declined sadly. Uh, um, you should have Facebooked her before you went. Uh, Facebooked her, right? Mm. Well, I know she's got a Twitter account. I don't know. If she, does, she? she do, does she do the oh, no, she genuinely oh, yeah. has. A, she sent a tweet from the Science Museum. Oh, yeah, blimey, yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I don't know. She had lots of advisors guiding her, obviously, as she did it, but uh, anyway, that's got nothing to do with aeroplanes whatsoever. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> no, yeah, I know, I know. We, we should keep the aviation, blimey, <laughs> indeed, yes. But anyway, London was, um, was horrible on the way in. And um, probably the best run out, I came out on the A11, which I'm probably going to regret saying this on a on a broadcast network of some description because it's like it's the best run out of London I've ever had in four or five years of doing London trips. And I came out on the A11. There you are, everyone. A little tip for you. Come out on the A11. It'll be fine. A11, A12, M25. Oh, no, A11, A12, M11, M25. Or if you have your own aircraft, then, um, well, it's a lot easier. Yes, that Mm. is true. Yes, yes. In fact, now we do have a little bit of sad news this week. Unfortunately, we haven't got a segment from Pip. No, we haven't got a segment from Pip this week. Unfortunately, Pip has been far too busy flying around Europe and everywhere. Indeed. Apart from, it has to be said. Apart from uh, this morning. Yes. And now, live from wherever it is that he's based, it's Pilot Pip. Hello, Hello. Pip. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hello. How are you? How are we? Yes. Yes, drunk. I think I don't, drunk, know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> What's the matter with us? We, all this we've morning? managed. We've managed to uh, to to get hold of Pip this we morning. Have, yes, and he's, live. he's very it's kindly very agreed exciting, to come yes. on live. Yeah, yeah. And that tiny little window of nothing to do that he once had, we we <laughs> filled for him. So <laughs> it took quite some doing. I had to shove the wife a, a tenner and tell her to take the kids out somewhere. Wow, she's cheap. So, Only yeah, a tenner. Well, so I've got, <laughs> I've got the house for a couple of hours. Fantastic. Oh, well, look, Carlos has to send the wife off with a credit card. No, I mean, she goes to work. <laughs> oh, does she? Oh, right. <laughs> I think that's why we're over here. Yeah. I should tell you, though, I'm actually officially uh, on duty at the moment. Oh. I'm, I'm on call. Uh, oh, okay. So the, I've got the, the company phone next to me, so it could, it could go, off, go off at any second. Oh, right. Okay. So you could potentially have to go to the south of France quickly. Oh, oh what a shame. a shame. Isn't it? Or somewhere like that. Yeah, that yeah. would be oh, awful. Oh, yeah. how but, terrible, Pip. Yeah. <laughs> just have to jump in your little plane. And, oh uh, dear! Yeah. I've got so I've got so many questions to ask, and I'm sure they've all been covered when when 
you and Carlos mm. have spoken before. But um, so because I know I don't know a great deal about the plane that you fly. So what what, well, what size? Oh, that makes yeah. two of us. Oh, oh right, oh splendid. Okay, <laughs> now come on, you know a fair bit because we've we've listened to your um your little segments that you did for us, which were yes. brilliant, by the way. Yes, Thank you very thanks much for those. For those. Yeah. yeah, my pleasure. Um, but um, so so roughly how many passengers? I mean, are, are you always flying the same craft, or 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 does it depend on on what job you're doing as to which which plane you take? And no, we always fly the same aircraft, the right. same type, rated on just one. Okay. Um, that's a company policy. Yeah. It's, um, you know, aircraft are too different. There's too many uh, differences, different systems, yeah. Too many, yeah. uh, you know, another set of numbers. It would be too much to, to keep in one head yeah. okay. or at least to safely keep in one head. So we, we're limited to just one type of aircraft. Cool. But, and and how, many, how many passengers does your particular craft uh, well, they're configured differently. My, I mean, you know, as you know, mine's just a little aeroplane. Uh, it's a biz jet, really. Mm -hmm. So uh, anything from uh, six to nineteen, I think, is the maximum right. we can take. Fantastic! Oh wow! So, so where were you last week? Last week, oh, you can't ask me questions like that. Oh, can't that was oh. a long time ago. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. I, I sorry. I thought I'd stealthed I, I, into I sort of remember, like, top secret. Top to... secret. If I tell you, yeah, I'll have to kill you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, it's a secret. I've certainly been to some very nice places recently. Yeah. I was in Corfu. Oh, oh, uh, I was in Split in Croatia, which is lovely. I was in um, Pau in the southwest of France. I've never been there before. That was gorgeous as well. Oh. I've been. I can't think. I've had a, a couple of really nice trips recently. Yeah, uh, wow. generally around the Mediterranean. Mate, oh, really? Oh. Yeah, it's hard work. But, I, you know, I those thought, saunas I, and swimming pools have to, you know, someone has to use them. Oh, when, when oh, you right. before you before you go on your trips, Pete, I just wondered when, when you go on these trips and stuff. Do you take a bag with like a beach towel and um, and swimming shorts with you every time? <laughs> no, I, I take swimming shorts. Yes. Oh yeah, they they uh, get very heavily used. My own swimming shorts. Oh. I, I no, thought no. I thought I was doing. I thought I was being really glamorous by going to London. I mean, seriously, <laughs> it's not. Fair. It's not. Like I say, London's not quite the same as well, the Mediterranean. Well, Pip flies over London. It's just a different sort of right. You know, yeah, Pip yeah. can fly above the traffic. I where dare you drive I say, I don't suppose he has anywhere mm. near the kind of delays I do either. It no. has to be said. Uh, well, you'd be surprised, but no, generally not, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> once you once you're once you're up in the air, it's all right. Yeah, once yeah. you're up there. Yeah. So we had some really good feedback, anyway, Pip, from the mm. uh, segments you've been doing. So, um, oh, great! Everyone's yeah. been loving those, really yeah. loving those. So I'm going to have to come up with some uh, some more projects for you Absolutely. to do. Yes, yes, he, for, he was uh, very good. He did his homework and everything. Yeah, he yeah. was very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> gave you, you we gave you A stars and everything. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. first day I've ever gone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I doubt that for a minute. But uh, no, it's uh, and from my point of view. I was saying in last week's show, it was quite nice because uh, if you're a coach driver, it's nowhere near the routine that you guys have to go through. But it's a similar sort of procedure where the driver, or in your case, pilot, obviously is responsible to ensure that to the best of their ability, the craft, if you like, whether it be six wheels in my case or however many it is that are on the, on the wingy things and the yeah i'm still learning i should just stress i don't know a great deal about aircraft yet i don't know if that comes you up are in the learning, well. <laughs> but uh, it's been great to see um how um how much um is involved i mean it, i mean i thought my routines which take me about 10 minutes were were quite involved but uh, i mean how long does it actually take you if i mean obviously it was a bit slower when you were doing the the record for us but how long is it you know what what's the guideline how long do they say a plane check should take well, someone familiar with the aircraft, I could probably, it, arriving at a cold, dark aircraft, I could easily have the whole thing up and ready to go in less than 30 minutes. Wow. Easily, yeah, I could yeah. probably do it quicker than that, do you, you know, do without you, rushing. Because, yeah. you know, I've been on this aircraft now for uh, 
seven ish years, so I, I know it yeah. fairly well. It's the same. I mean, I drive. I drive the same vehicle virtually. I mean, there are occasions where you have to move into a different vehicle because of, you know, it's either in for maintenance and things. Because we have quite a strict regime at Lambert's where uh, it has to be done on a on a regular basis. But uh, you know, sort of every six weeks. But uh, yeah, I suppose it's the same sort of thing. I, I mean, I'm so familiar with the vehicle that I'm always driving. It's uh, you 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 get to know its various foibles and what needs some. Um, what needs yeah. Sort of yeah. I mean, there's various things outside my control, like, uh, you know, the fueling and um, yeah. getting the baggage on and, and the, the lavatory servicing and all this kind of thing. Yeah. So that can, can hold you up a bit. But, uh, yeah. you know, otherwise, it's, it's not too much of a chore, to be honest. Do you, wow. do you have a checklist you follow, Pip, like what I do with the um, tiny little yeah. Cessna flight? Yeah, there's a, yeah, quite a long checklist uh, for each stage of flight. Is, um, is, is it one of those flip sort of um, pads? Like, no, like, it'll, be, no. On, it'll we, be on his iPad. I'm quite sure of that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we do have it on the iPad. No, we, it's just a, a thin <laughs> laminate. It's quite small. You'd be surprised. Mm. I mean, if you go into the the AFM, the aircraft flight manual, all the checklist, you know, it's like a, a thousand pages long mm. or something. But it's, we basically have it condensed down onto two small laminated bits of card. Mm. One for mm. um, the um, before flights bits and bobs, the pre-flight checks, and then another for all the in-flight checklists. Right. Gosh. Um, so it just covers the essential items, and some of them you have to do. You know, there's certain checklist philosophies. So some checklists you have to read the thing and do it at the same time. So mm. uh, I don't know, undercarriage down. Okay, then you move the undercarriage down. Yeah. Whereas others you can do as what we call a flow. So you can just do it from memory, right. and then go back with a checklist and just tick off that you've done each one. Cool. Yeah. Mm. So I suppose we better kick the news well, off. Well, I then. suppose yes. Let, mm. Let's um, let's. Uh, let's well, get yes. Well, thanks for joining us anyway. Yeah, indeed. And, yeah. Uh, yeah my pleasure. Joining us for the news, aren't you? And uh, for as long as you can, anyway, before yeah. you get the beep beep beep. Yes. Go go. <laughs> off goes the machine. Uh, yeah. So we're going to kick off uh, then, as we always do at the beginning of the show, with yeah. our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. I am. Yes. Yes. And if you're ready, Pip. I'm ready. Let's go. I think I just caught him Did at the you? Oh, end. No, no. <laughs> oh dear, how fa- how joyful this show is going to be! Oh. So then, uh, kicking off then our first news story yes, of the week. One, yes. It's been a really sad week in the aviation network uh, for the locals in the area where we live, mm. around here in Norfolk. Um, after a horrible plane crash, uh, uh, which killed um, a pilot at the Old Buckingham Airfield. Mm. Uh, the pilot, who was uh, named as David Jenkins, uh, died after his Edge 360 plane uh, crashed uh, during an aerobatic display ahead of the Old Buckingham Air Show. Um, a highly skilled pilot, um, he was, died uh, during the aerobatic display in Norfolk. And uh, the plane came down close to, uh, or quite near to the old Buckingham Airfield, near Asselborough, at around 2.40pm on Wednesday. He was taking part in an aerobatic display in his Edge 360 plane as part of a media launch for the old Buckingham Air Show. Witnesses there said the aircraft appeared to catch fire mid-display before falling to the ground in a plume of smoke. Uh, Mr. Jenkins, who was in his 50s, was a member of the Wildcat aerobatic display team uh, based at Old Buckingham Airfield. And um, uh, one of his uh, close friends who didn't wish to be named uh, said he was 
The best bloke he knew and was highly skilled and knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, police and ambulance crews uh, were there from the Norfolk area and the area was cordoned off uh, while emergency services dealt with the incident and put the blaze out. Uh, the East Anglian Air Ramblers as well were also called to the scene uh, along with uh, the police and all the full emergency services uh, that were there. So it's a very sad it indeed. Yeah. Um, I, <clears throat> I was lucky enough to have uh, met uh, David Jenkins last year at Seething. Mm. Um, he was there with the Wildcats display team and uh, they put a fantastic show on. The guy really did. Mm. Um, really nice chap. Um, I mean, literally, I, I literally just asked him whether I could take photos close up yeah. of his aircraft, which he um, he very he kindly very, let me through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's just really it's just terrible. It yeah. really is. And obviously, our thoughts go out to the family and mm, friends, very you know, much, hey? yeah. um, of David. And any any news as to the AA the AAIB the Air Accident Investigations Bureau, yeah. which is the kind of the British version of the NTSB right. uh, that we have here in the UK are investigating mm. the crash. Um, there was quite a lot of uh, videos which right. were obviously being taken at the time, so okay. they've got quite a lot to to use for visual yeah. uh, to see what what uh, the aircraft was actually doing. But at the time, he was in a spiral dive, right? And uh, yeah, it's it's very sad. Very Inter sad. interesting that they eyewitnesses were saying that. Um, there were there were obvious signs of flames mm. before it yeah. sort of began to descend rapidly. Essentially, so have you um, have you seen uh, uh, the display that uh, these guys do, Pip? Uh, I'm not sure. Possibly, uh, I guess I probably have at some air show or another. Mm. Yeah, the Wildcats uh, they have um, they have two pit specials, uh, which the, the other two guys fly, mm. and they have um, the Edge 360, which. Uh, and poor David was flying, yeah. and they they have the team together as a three group, right? And they do a display with the smoke and stuff, and fantastic display it really right. was. It's very yeah. sad, very sad. Yeah, I don't think I ever met David myself, but I know he was very well known and very well respected in in aviation circles. He was very active in the the UK aerobatic scene. Yeah, so he's um, you know, it's a it's a great loss. It is uh, it's always so sad when anything like this, definitely, especially definitely. especially right at the start of the aviation season yeah. as well. So it's a watch this space about. Um, I get. I mean, I, there's there's bound to be cancellations, I guess, isn't there? I mean, it's yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to mm. see what uh, what they do at the display. But yes, as, um, as, as Carl said, um, yeah, as Carl said, it's uh, thoughts and prayers and everything go 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 out to his family, family. Really, definitely. Anyway, moving on. Um, try and sort of stay nice and light. Um, yes. You know, very sad. But uh, we'll move straight on to our next story. This is EasyJet. Uh, it's uh, ETN, Global Travel Industry News, this website. And the headline is EasyJet takes delivery of its 250th Airbus aircraft. Wow. Europe's and one of the world's largest A320 family airlines celebrates a milestone in Hamburg um, with partners Airbus and CFM. EasyJet and Airbus have celebrated their successful partnership in a ceremony in Hamburg to mark the delivery of the airline's 250th Airbus A320 family aircraft. Carolyn McCall, EasyJet CEO, Jean-Paul Ebanga, CFM International President and CEO, uh, Didier Everard, apologies if I've pronounced any of those incorrectly, uh, Airbus, Airbus EVP and Head of Programmes, and Christopher Buckley, uh, Airbus EVP Europe, Africa and Asia Pacific were present at the event. To celebrate the 250th delivery, EasyJet unveiled its newest A320 with a unique livery. 
uh, featuring 250 miniature aircraft. As with other recent deliveries to EasyJet, the A320 is equipped with the latest technology and fuel-saving sharklets. These are the little wingtips, I presume. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Carolyn McCall, CEO of EasyJet, commented, taking delivery of our 250 50th Airbus helps us to continue to make travel easy and affordable and on our journeys uh, to become Europe's one of one of Europe's leading airlines the milestone symbolizes the long-term and successful partnership between Airbus and EasyJet it was only 4 years ago that we celebrated our 200th aircraft delivery at that time EasyJet then became the world's youngest airline to reach a fleet of 200 Airbus aircraft also achieving it in the fastest time EasyJet is proud to count Airbus and CFM as such reliable partners EasyJet is one of Europe's leading airlines offering a unique and winning combination of the best route network connecting Europe's primary airports with great value fares and friendly service. The airline flies 234 aircraft on more than 750 routes to over 130 airports across 33 countries. EasyJet operates Europe's largest and the world's fourth largest Airbus single-aisle fleet. Since Airbus, uh, since Airbus and EasyJet took delivery of its first Airbus aircraft, the A319, in September 2003, Airbus has delivered an aircraft on average every 16 days since its first delivery. That's quite a stunning statistic, isn't mm. it? It's, uh, I suppose, it's a uh, good, well, good news for Airbus, isn't it? I mean, 250th Airbus aircraft uh, is quite a lot a, of airplanes. Eh? It that is, is a lot yeah. of aircraft. Yeah, it definitely. What uh, What's your uh, view on the new um, EasyJet uh, livery on their aircraft, Pip? Let's have a look. Hang on, I have the picture here a second. Because they've, they've got to furiously um, look up how many aircraft some other airlines have. Just, just ah, because ah. um, um, EasyJet recently, obviously, they revamped their logo on the aircraft. They mm. got rid of the dot com. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it a, looks well. They've still got the orange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the the tail tail inside hasn't changed much other yeah. than. Oh, I quite like that actually. It's, it's, it's a lot more simple in your face than it was before. Mm. Yeah. Bit more white. <laughs> I, I think it's. I think it's better. It's quite slick. Yeah, I yeah. quite like it. I quite mm. like it. Definitely. No, it's a, It's um. It's definitely the way forward. I think it's. Uh, so with a quite young fleet as well, EasyJet's average age of their fleet is six point two years old. Right. For their aircraft, which Gosh, is, that is, is really good. Young. That is, is really good. good yeah. 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 Mm. And yes. I should be flying with them in September. Oh, where are you off to? Let me guess. Malta. Malta. You know, like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a surprise. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit more glamorous than me doing my little broad broads cruiser, I think, this year. Ah, but it's the air show, man. <laughs> it's the air show. I'm going for the air show. Oh dear. Oh, oh here we go. Just before we move on from this story, yeah. it seems that British Airways currently operate two hundred and sixty three aircraft. Right. Comparison. So they're roughly the same size then as, as EasyJet. That, that's quite scary when you think how young EasyJet is in comparison mm, yeah. to British Airways. Mm. Yeah, and I don't, I don't suppose British Airways are running anywhere near as young a fleet. No, no, I wouldn't no, so. no, no, definitely not. No, no. exactly. Yes, of course they've got a much more varied fleet. They've got all, yes. sorts, all yeah. sorts of bits and bobs of British Airways. Mm, yeah, as where well, they just tend to be the the larger sort of the sort of A three twenty style, aren't they? They're mm. sort of all that sort of single aisle thing. It's, yeah. it's when you think if you look at it, you've got the two biggest. Um, um, Low cost for, uh, carries in the yes. UK, EasyJet, all Airbus, Ryanair, all Boeing. Boeing yeah. Mm. Uh. So moving on then to our next story, we'll take it away, Pip. Oh, is it my turn? Yes, yes. it's your turn. Yes. Sorry oh, about that. You can see we're oh, recording right. so this live. This called <laughs> flights from Norwich to Cardiff begin on Monday. Well, that's good news, isn't it? It is. 
Uh, the Cardiff to Norwich service will begin on Monday with flights departing South Wales at 10.20am and arriving at 11.25am. The return service will run from 2.20pm and 1.20 on a Friday. Speaking when the deal was announced in January, Andrew Bell, chief executive of the airport, said the new route would deliver regional connectivity to both leisure and business travellers. The new route will be operated by regional airline Lynx Air, never heard of them, Lynx Air, and prices start from £59. Well, that's not bad, is it? £59. That's a bit of a bargain, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Lynx Air, uh, Pip, I've never heard of those either. Um, but Lynx Air were actually founded in 1983. Oh, they've been about a while. Um, they've got three aircraft in their fleet. Mm. Uh, they cover six destinations, and they're based at Doncaster, Sheffield Airport, and Cardiff Airport. Ah, right. So it's coming the other way, actually. Mm. It's coming from, from Cardiff to Norwich. So yeah. what type of aircraft do they operate? The type of aircraft, they've got uh, BAE Jetstream 31s. Oh, lovely. In 19-seat configuration. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, so they're, they're, they're sort of, well, similar, similar sort of craft, craft size you're flying then, Pip. Um, sort of. Well, sort the, of. So this is, the jet stream's a, a turboprop aircraft. It is, yeah. Right. Uh, but that'll be 19 seats mm-hmm. shoved in fairly you know, tightly packed. Right. <laughs> rather than the sofas and things that we, we have. Oh, oh, oh okay. Right. <laughs> been a lot of those built, though. 390, uh, 386 of those jet streams built, mm. those BAEs. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're quite, quite an old aircraft now. They've been around for a long time. There's a few UK airlines still use them. Obviously, these Lynx Air guys, mm. uh, Eastern Airlines, I think, have them. Pascan Aviation and AIS Airlines have got them as well. They first flew, Pip, in uh, March 1980. Mm, sounds about right. Good yeah. British aeroplane. Yes, yes. Ah, the magic word. So, mm. so it's, not, it's not a very long oh, flight, is it? Oh, no, not the flight. No, yeah. no, no, Cardiff to Norwich. Yeah, because I'm, um, I'm always surprised at how long it takes to get to Ireland. I don't know why. <laughs> it always just seems to I, take... I was actually quite shocked at how long it took us to get from Stansted to, to Edinburgh when we went to Edinburgh. Right. Because yeah. it was it was 55 minutes, yeah. if that. I, right. I thought it was going to be a lot longer, but yeah. just, there you go. Well, there we are. Okay, on to the next story then. This, I believe, is you, Carl. Is it me? Mm. Wow. Right. So the next story then is on the business traveller site. And uh, EasyJet again. Um, EasyJet are eyeing uh, higher density Airbus A320s. And they might increase the number of seats on future A320 aircraft, the carrier's chief executive has said. Carolyn McCall made the uh, admission as the airline took delivery of its 250 Airbus uh, aircraft (laughs) in Hamburg although she wouldn't be drawn on when this could happen. EasyJet's A320 seats 180 passengers, but Airbus has developed a higher-density 189-seat variant. In March, IAG subsidiary Vueling took delivery of a 186-seater version, and uh, the European Aviation Safety Agency has indicated that the aircraft's configuration could potentially go as high as 195. Wow. EasyJet's uh, all Airbus fleet is made up of A320s, A319s, and it has 158 A320s and new generation A320neo aircraft on order. McCall has said that the option of upgrading any of these to the longer range A321neo was under review. While she acknowledged that uh, doing so would enable the airline to fly further afield, saying, if we take the A321neo, that would allow us to do a bit more of that, she said. Um, but they, they had no air plans at all to enter the long-haul market. Mm. 
She said that EasyJet does not see low-cost long-haul as something it wants to do for the foreseeable future. We believe there is a lot of opportunity in short-haul Europe that we haven't yet taken advantage of. Yeah, so not wanting to follow the same sort of route as Ryanair then. Well, they pulled the plug on it, didn't they? Yes, Ryanair did pull mm. the plug on that for mm. the time being. For the time I being, think, yeah. Whether, whether it's because the market isn't quite right yet or, or what, I don't know. No, I think there's a lot of problems with doing this, particularly across to the US. Um, mm. Norwegian Airlines are, are getting in a spot of bother. Oh, are they? really? In the States. Yeah, some of the contracts, uh, their employment contracts are a little bit iffy. Oh. I think they're employing cabin crew on uh, employment contracts based in Indonesia or somewhere a right. bit bizarre like that. And it's, oh, right. it's all causing a bit of a stink for the unions in the States. Oh, of course, yeah. You know, that's how they offer these flights so cheaply, you know, Ryanair yeah. and EasyJet is the fact that they pay their staff peanuts. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is a shame. It's a, a, almost on the sort of zero hour type sort of thing. Contract yeah. kind of thing, mm. yeah. Yeah, so, although it, it, I should just say before they sue you or me, yeah. <laughs> uh, in balance, I do know quite a few guys at EasyJet and Ryanair on the pilot side of things who are actually doing very well. Yes. So they're, you know, on a zero's contract, quote marks. Yeah. Um, they, they, you know, they fly their, their proverbial behinds off each year and they, they earn a pretty good wage out of it. Yeah. But I, I, there I, is another end to that scale, the cabin crew, etc. who are, are yeah. not doing quite so well. Well, it's 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 a tricky one, isn't it? With the whole zero, I mean, it's it's been in the news sort of generally, isn't it? This whole zero zero hours contract mm. type thing. I, I suppose it's it kind of makes sense from a. I mean, I can understand why a company want to do it, obviously, because you're not obliged to give them any hours at all unless you're really busy, I suppose. And there is always that risk that if there isn't much work going on then it's those on the zero hours contracts that are going to lose out mm. first. But I suppose if you're not being funny, if you are a pilot, I dare say it's not that uh, difficult to find work, yeah. is it? I don't know. Is Ooh, it? You're opening a can of worms. Am I right? Yeah, okay. You're you're gonna... Let's not go down that path. No, okay. You'll, you'll bring up the words pilot shortage and that's not good. Oh, really? <clears throat> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you know, we, we all listen to Captain Jeff and I think what they've yes. got going on over there is, is quite different to mm. what's going on here in Europe. They do have a pilot shortage and they're, they're hiring guys like crazy. Over here, it's just not happening. Really? The, the economics are very different. Yeah. Pip, I'll uh, put you on the spot quickly. Given the choice... Airbus three twenty or Boeing seven three seven eight hundred. What would you rather fly? Oh, it's easy. That's easy. Give me a harder one. Boeing every time. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well done. I like I, that. I like to have my control column in front of me. I don't like any of this <laughs> joystick nonsense. He just read my mind. That's what I tell everyone when they say that to See, me. I, I have no idea what you two are talking about. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, no, explain Airbus, it to me. Explain, the, the explain, control explain. column—it's it's basically like a computer joystick, right? Like you have for your PC, but it's on on either left-hand side for the captain or the right-hand side for the first officer, yeah. rather than traditionally you have a, a steering wheel, right, uh, yeah. in front of you between the your legs, pull in towards you, lift up and down. Yeah. yeah. Oh right. Yeah. See that that would suit me fine. You know, the Mr. IT geek here—that sounds fabulous. Having two <laughs> joysticks. <laughs> joysticks. Yeah. I, if I had my way, I'd drive my car like that. <laughs> I've flown on. I've flown on loads of Airbuses, but mm. I, I, I just, just, I don't know. I just like the thought of there being something there to, you but know, you a, a been, control column. But you haven't been flying by cables and hydraulics and things for years. Even, even I dare say, oh, even the, the Cessna col- is. Well, yeah, no, I know, but I mean, you, you're talking like the, the Boeing three seven three seven. Obviously, I mean, I mean, they they're not actually physically attached to the the rudders. I mean, it's motors and No, I think the older yours... generations were. Yeah, the oh, older yeah, generation 7.3s were. But, but you've, um... you've been sort of flying, but you've been flying by wire for 
I think Pip, am I right in saying that the the, the triple sevens, the newer ones, and that and the obviously the Dreamliners still have the control column, the control yoke, but that is connected to a computer, isn't it? I think the triple seven certainly the seven eight seven. I'm not sure. I think it probably has a control column. It's got a control column, but it's rather than a joystick. Mm. Uh, But yeah, they're certainly all you know uh, fly by wire. Mm. But there are aircraft out there. Uh, I guess slightly older, but that still have the the true fly-by-wire, i.e. cables, cables, cables pulleys, yeah. and things like that. My aircraft is all cables and pulleys. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with that. It's it's very nice. It, uh, uh, is it, it really quite, puts you in touch with the aircraft. Uh, is it quite sort of? Because I, mean, I, I dare say, especially in turbulence and things, it can fight against you a bit. I mean, is it is it quite hard work to sort of, you know, really keep hold of it? If that makes sense. Uh, not, no, well, not my aircraft anyway. It's she's a beaut. Mm. Um, it's a jet fighter, basically. It's light <laughs> and responsive. Yeah, it's yeah, it's lovely. Guys, is, 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 I suppose it's that that debate between power steering or not power steering. I mean, is it servo assisted in any way, or is it all sort of? Literal? I mean, not yes. Some of it is mm. um, it, mechanically, not uh, you know, not computer yeah. control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you have um, what's the word I'm looking for. It's you know it's, it's powered up through mechanically through cables and pulleys and things. Yeah. Oh well, right. Anyway. Or geared up the gearing. That's the word I'm looking for. Ge- yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so small movements make a large movement to mm. the rudder. Exactly and, and so, yeah. 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 Anyway, on to the next story. Next then. story. We're next story. We're going back to Norwich Airport. Actually, this is on the EDP's uh, website. It's been a busy busy week for them. Um, announcement Norwich, wise, yeah. mm. and uh, Norwich International Airport announces Cyprus flights. Holidaymakers will be able to touch down in Cyprus next year on a flight from Norwich International Airport. Uh, Thompson and First Choice will bolster the flights hub, the flight hub's European travel links with trips to uh, Paphos. Uh, from 2016. The route will go on sale this week. It comes after the airport signalled liftoff today on flights linking Norwich to Cardiff. The service departs from South Wales at 10.20am and departs at 11.25am. The service runs um, from 2.20pm and 1.20pm on a Friday. Uh, Richard Pace, Operations Director and General Manager of the airport, said we are delighted that Thompson and First Choice have announced the new flights to Paphos, uh, Cyprus for summer 2016, offering local holidaymakers more choice for their local airport. This decision further demonstrates their commitment to the airport and reflects the high level of demand from customers wishing to fly from Norwich. Last month, the airport revealed that it was pitching for a slice of a £56 million government startup fund to kickstart four fresh travel links, including Norwich to Charles de Gaulle, Norwich to Dublin, Norwich to Exeter, and Norwich to Newcastle. I'll tell you what, Norwich to Dublin would be brilliant. Definitely. Really handy yeah. for me. Never, never mind anyone else <laughs> to, to go and visit, go and vis- visit family in Ireland. I, it's, I, the only, I'd love, I would love to just go to Norwich to 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 fly anywhere. I mean, I know mm. you can to a degree because you can fly obviously to Schiphol, can't yeah, you? And then yeah. you can go and you, and you can fly to Malta. But it's so much more expensive. Mm. That's the only thing that really, really puts me off. And that that's what's wrong here somehow in the fact that it is cheaper for me to get somebody to take me to Stansted Airport. Then get you mm. know just using standard obviously because that's our local one. Yeah. Or, but Luton would be the same. Uh, you know, although why you'd go there by choice, I do not know. <laughs> uh, but sort of like Stansted Airport to to work and then fly to wherever it is it. It's wrong that it's cheaper for somebody to take you to Stansted Airport. Then you fly out, come back, and get them to mm. pick you up and bring you home. That's that. That's the only thing that 
that bothers me. I, if if I had a choice, I'd use Nor- Norwich. You can find anyone to give you a lift to Norwich, can't you? Oh yeah. You know, or you could. You could well, it, it's bus. twenty minutes for us. It's twenty exactly. minutes. Yeah. yeah. Drive. But, what, what's your What's your nearest um, nearest largest airport, Pip? Uh, for me, it's my my my, uh, my operating base, Luton, London Luton. Okay. Uh, it's actually I'm probably I'm probably equidistant, maybe slightly further away. Birmingham is not too far. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, otherwise, Danny M6. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I did try Birmingham as a base once, actually. It mm. turned out to be a disaster. But, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> no, Luton's less than an hour for me. Oh, that's yeah. not bad. That's, that's, this is good. I've always thought Norwich, you know, it's screaming out for more diversity in, in routes mm. from Norwich. Well, uh, it, you know, it should be much bigger than it is. Obviously, the, I guess that, as you say there, Matt, the cost is is putting people off, perhaps. Well, it is, and, and I get why that because they there is an airport tax, and they use that that tax. Um, it's something that Norwich City Council put in, and it, and they use that tax as a way of developing the airport and improving the facilities there. And I I don't mind that. It's just the fact that I mean, I I, I, was, I, I said a few weeks ago, I, I'm going to um, Edinburgh. Um, for a for a wedding uh, that a friend uh, is is having, and um, I looked into driving. Going the train was ridiculous. I mean, it was going to be 180, 190 quid for me to do the same journey. Um, the the thing was, it was about a hundred and I think it was either either between one hundred and thirty or one hundred and sixty pound. Uh, it was one hundred and thirty pound each way. Sorry for me to fly from Norwich to go and land at um, I think that was um, Aberdeen. But uh, it was where I'm going. It doesn't really matter whether it's Edinburgh or Aberdeen. It's again sort of equidistant from uh, from where I was going. Uh, as where for me to go to um, um, to fly from Stansted, it was it was sixty pound return. And you just think, well, it's cheaper for me to pay for someone to take me there and, and pick me up again. Uh, and that that's what just, just worries me, really. You just think such a shame because I'd much rather be using my local airport. Mm. But I'm being because I'm I am I'm not the most affluent, you know, money wise, as it were. You know, I'm being priced out of the market of using my local airport, which is a shame. Maybe, a maybe shame. I need to look at that. It's a risky business, though, uh, from an investment point of view, trying yeah. to get these these regional, slightly more isolated airports. Mm. Uh, you know, trying to make money from them. You recall a couple of years ago, they put pumped a lot of money into an airline called EU Jet, who were operating out of that airport, whose name I've totally forgotten. <laughs> uh, what was it? The one in North Kent, down down near Broadstairs. Oh. Oh. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Shannon. Or, or Kent Airport, Manston. Kent. Manston, yeah. Manston. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, they pumped a lot of money into that, and it just it, it looked just, on the surface as though it should have been a, a, a winner, but mm. for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. Didn't work out. Yeah. You know, same at Norwich. There's a, a fairly decent population base up there. You mm. think there'd be the customer base is is big enough. Yeah. To, to have the demand there, but you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Maybe yeah. it is because Stansted is just really not that far away. I mean, from here, yeah, we can do yeah. Stansted. Maybe mm. that's the, you know, maybe that's the damage. What's doing the damage, if you like, is maybe it's not quite far enough away from anywhere. If you see what I mean, because I mean Norwich is sort of 25, 30 minutes from here, as you know. But for another hour, you can go to Stansted and fly virtually anywhere. I, I, maybe maybe that's what the the issue is. It's too close to a major airport, possibly. Don't know. Anyway, we could talk about that all, yes. all hour. So on to the next story, then, Pip. If you'd like to take this one. Uh, okay, this is the another Thompson story, is it not? Yes, correct. Yes. Okay, so the headline is Thompson and First Choice introduce new flights from Newcastle International Airport. 
And there's a very lovely picture of a Thompson 787 at the top mm. of that page. What a beautiful aeroplane that is. It's quite, it's quite sort of wide. It's quite sort of tall, isn't it? Is it quite it's, tall? The dimensions are a bit odd. It's kind of a bit fat. Mm. Fat and stubby, but actually up close, it's, uh, it's gorgeous. I, I'm a big fan of that one. Anyway. Yes. The story says, Thompson and First Choice have announced that in the summer of 2016, they will be increasing capacity at Newcastle International Airport through the introduction of additional seats and new fortnightly flights to Cancun in Mexico. The move to introduce these routes is part of the UK's leading holiday company strategy to ensure customers across the UK can fly from their local airport and stay at the best hotels and some of the most exciting destinations, including the five-star uh, San Satori Resort, Mexico, in the Riviera Maya, which boasts a beachfront setting, in-room hot tubs, I like that, yeah, six lovely. restaurants, 24-hour <laughs> uh, gourmet inclusive dining. Mm. The new routes will go on sale from April 23rd. Uh, not only will customers from Newcastle be able to fly to some fantastic destinations, but they will also have the opportunity to choose varying durations, not just the standard 7 and 14 nights. Customers traveling from Newcastle will also now be able to choose from additional 10 and 11 night durations to Naples in Italy. Uh, Karen Spitzer, Director of Aviation Planning at Thompson and First Choice said, adding more capacity from the northeast of England and the addition of a new fortnightly flight to Cancun demonstrates our commitment to Newcastle Airport and the local area. Following the success of similar routes across a number of regional airports, we know that the demand is there. And she goes on. So that's exactly what we've just been talking about, regional airports expanding yeah. routes. Mm. It's, it's obviously, a, as you say, it's obviously a conscious decision by Thompson to sort of try and pick up some of the you know use use some of the local ones with with them flying out of Norwich for Cyprus and and now several destinations here out of Newcastle. Yeah, I suppose you know the Thompson and First Choice groups are you know they're big operators, so they mm. certainly got the resources to throw yeah. at this. Yeah, yes, they have. Yeah. So Thompson uh, Airways fleet mm -hmm. as of this month mm -hmm. um, consists of twenty seven seven three seven eight hundreds. They've got uh, fourteen seven five seven two hundreds pip. Oh, yeah. Which is quite cool. Uh, they've got five seven six seven three hundred ERs, which I flew on a few years mm -hmm. back now, quite an old. Um, right. They're getting quite uh, long now in the tooth, they are. And they've got, so far, they've got seven uh, 787-8 Dreamliners in their fleet. So what's what's the 757? What's so, the 757 why, why is... Why did you light um, up? Wait, seven five seventy. I to me is is quite a... Uh, it's probably... It's one of those classics, isn't yeah, it? it? Right. It, to me, it's like number two in my list of... Aircraft I love after right. the TriStar. Okay, yeah. But um, I've flown on the seven five seven loads of times. They're just they're just such an awesome aircraft. Right. Um, okay. I've been on the flight. I met I many years ago was very lucky to um, to um, sit on the jump seat of an Air two thousand seven five seven two hundred. You just um, want to sit on the pilot's lap. This is this all. is pre nine eleven, obviously. <laughs> oh right, yes. Um, course, yeah. yeah, and was lucky to sit you know, on the jump seat and wow. uh, uh, while whilst the uh, whilst they landed at Gatwick Airport. No way. Yeah, which was. Uh, God, I mean, can you imagine if they'd allow you to do that now? I know, and I've still got the video I shot on yeah. my father's um, eight millimeter VHS. You know the video camcorder we need thing. To we need to digitize which that. Which was we yeah, need I need to that. dig bring, that. Out bring it over. We'll uh, yeah. we'll uh, we'll digitize it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, they are they are a good airline, Thompson. I've heard a lot uh, a lot of people who I've talked to who are um, cabin crew. You, didn't um, you it was it was it them? You no, you flew out, didn't you? To, yeah, we flew out with, with Talanzarotti with, with Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of the chaps who I know at the club uh, mm. have got partners who work for Thompson and cabin mm. crew, and apparently they're very good to work for. 
Thompson yeah, Airlines. Yeah, doesn't surprise yeah me. I hear the same actually. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And of course, those fleet numbers you read out—that's just the UK arm of Thompson. Yes, obviously that part is. of the much larger TUI outfit. Yeah, they've got a lot of little subsidiary type um, yeah. offshoots. Yeah, right, yeah. Gosh. A big, so, big airline then. Yeah. Next one's mine. Is that mine? It me? is your it's turn. Me. Yes, Carl. Yes. So. Yes. The Telegraph then, this story, and flights diverted at Manchester Airport as drones sighted over runway. Oh, here we go. Yes. Manchester Airport's uh, suspended flights on one of its runways for 20 minutes after members of the public reported spotting a drone. Oh. An airport um, that he di- well, he divided, diverted flights and suspended um, uh, the, the use of one runway um, after it was spotted flying nearby. Uh, the runway was suspended for around 20 minutes and inbound flights were diverted to nearby Liverpool and East Midlands airports. Uh, the growth in civilian drone technology in recent years has led to concerns over how the newly remote-controlled aircraft may interfere with other aircraft. The Manchester airport spokesman said that due to a report of a potential drone sighting in the airspace near to the airport, some flights were experiencing short delays and a small number of flights were diverted to alternative airports. Whilst Greater Manchester Police carried out investigations using their police helicopter, upon inspection nothing was found. As the safety and security of all passengers is paramount, operations on runway 1 were suspended for 20 minutes. Runway 2, which was unaffectable, remained, or remained open for uh, an hour or so, so normal traffic flows can resume. Um, the UK Board of Investigating Aircraft Nimbus's last December described how a device believed to be a small radio-controlled helicopter drone came within 20 feet of an incoming Airbus A320 passenger plane at Heathrow Airport. The Airbus was 700 feet from landing when the pilot reported seeing a small black object to the left of the aircraft, the report said. So drones, uh, Pip. What's your what's your view on? Because uh, obviously, I I know that uh, you've got a very um, very nice uh, flashy all bells and whistles oh, drone. Oh, have you? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I do have a bit of a uh, invested interest in, in drones and the, the development of the industry. Um, but I'm pretty sure you have the common sense not to fly them anywhere you're not supposed <laughs> yeah. to. I well, think I and do, that, that's and that's are, the the issue, isn't it? Really, with this story, that's it. these yeah. things. Even though they sold like hotcakes over Christmas, yeah. so there's thousands of them out there, and I'm guessing that largely people don't know much about the rules, the, essentially. Yeah, yeah. the legalities, where they can use them, where they mm. can't use them, what heights they can fly up to, etc. And there's, you know, this is a, a developing thing. Mm. Uh, that it's got a long way to go, the drone industry, uh, but it is going to be, I think I said this before to you, Carl, when I came on, it's going to be huge. Mm. Like it or not, the, the drone, the UAV industry around the world mm. is going to be massive. It's going to be a billion dollar thing. And actually, our very own beloved CAA are actually quite um, forward-thinking and flexible mm. when it comes to drones. And now we don't often put those words in the same sentence: <laughs> CAA and flexible. <laughs> but but actually they they you know they're um, keen to work with operators, commercial operators, and uh, you know and to make it work to integrate the whole thing in with the civilian airspace structure. Maybe the issue then is perhaps that they need to adjust the law to to take them into consideration. Perhaps, but maybe that's the issue is and make sure that everybody knows. Because I don't think it's the, the those that want to. I mean, I mean, no, I mean, I know Amazon have been looking into ways of possibly delivering your your you know goods by drone and and things like that. But I, I guess they aren't the problem. It's more the people well, who got one. It's, it's the people who who got one for Christmas just essentially. Flying them for fun. Yeah. yeah. You know, so all the all the serious operators who are using these for for commercial purposes that all of course very aware of the rules and they'll respect and abide by them mm. but you can't account for you know those 
commercial operators are probably only, I don't know, 5% of the, the population who have one of these things. So the other 95% are flying around just for fun and they have no idea. They'll think, oh, no, it's pretty cool. We'll take my drone down to Manchester Airport and fly it across the runway. Yeah. They have no idea what the dangers are. No, the, no, indeed. The risks are. Do you know what was you... actually just, uh, just rings a bell here, just last week or perhaps the week before, there was the first successful prosecution of a guy flying in this country of a guy flying a drone unlawfully really yeah the cea brought their first successful conviction wow blimey i should have queued up the story i could have read that one but um, yeah yeah so that they're you know they're, they're keen and in fact there was something else they they have now handed over responsibility for investigating and, and pursuing illegal drone operations they've handed over to the police mm. So, you know, whereas before the CEA would take on that, that responsibility to uh, to prosecute, it's now a police matter. Yeah. And obviously the police will be much more keen and able yeah. to, to follow through with convictions. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, I think they, 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 the law's just got to catch up, hasn't it? I think that's the that's issue because, as you say, like it or not, they're here to stay. I mean, it's just. Yeah, well, that, that's it exactly. Yeah. Um, like like I mean, Pip the, said, the they're so are cheap. Clear and they work well enough mm-hmm. yeah. if people. People respect them, and obviously flying across the threshold at Manchester is a well, I mean, thing to do. And that's the issue, isn't it? It's not the drone itself; it's the muppet that's controlling it, isn't and it? That's I mean, it. And yeah. it's virtually impossible to catch them as well. Mm. Um, you know, by the time the police are on the scene, the, the guy mm. would have gotten his car and, and hot-footed it away. I would expect. Well, if he lives, if he lives in, in in a housing estate, I mean, it could be any one of sort of six, seven hundred places, couldn't it? I mean, it's by the time. Well, you, that's it. Yeah, yeah and there's all kinds of things they can do. You, can, you know, we're talking about putting transponders. Mm. Uh, onto drones with a code, um, yeah, mm. yeah, so we can see them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 a bit of an issue, really, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we we must move on on to the next story. Then uh, this is the Southern Daily Echo, and the headline is Flyby launches new flights from Southampton. Staff at Southampton Airport are bracing for a bumper summer of for a bumper summer as thousands of passengers jet off to warmer climes. Flyby has launched its new summer schedule with nearly 300 flights a week transporting holidaymakers to exotic destinations. The airline is operating 27 routes, including new services to Bastia and Milan. Is it Bastia? Am I Bastia. 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 Bastia, is it? I don't Pip's know. probably been there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you been? Bastia, yeah. Oh, Bastia, right, yeah. there we are. And, uh, and continuing its popular summer routes. The announcement follows last year's record-breaking summer when 200,000 passengers passed through the airport's doors in August, a 3% increase on the same time last year and the highest monthly footfall in seven years. This summer, Flybe is boasting 299 flights a week with one-way fares from $24.99, including taxes and charges. New twice-weekly flights on Thursdays and Sundays to Bastyr operate during peak summer from May until September. Twice-weekly flights to Milan operate during those times on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Bastia, located in the northern tip of the French island of Corsica, is a thriving ferry and cruise ship port nestled between the mountains and the sea. Milan is one of Europe's most ancient cities with more than 26 centuries of history and renowned as Italy's thriving cosmopolitan business capital, offering shopping, nightlife, opera, fashion and football. Meanwhile, popular sun routes to Parma, Mallorca, Faro, or Faro, uh, Malaga and Alicante will run through to October 24. Flights to regional France are boosted with the return of peak summer travel to destinations including Avignon, Bordeaux, Brie and Limogues. Is it Limogues? 
Limoges. Limoges, my apologies. <laughs> yes, I did do French at school. I, I've retained Are you none sure? of it. Yeah, no. I think it's a, it's quite, it's quite I bumped into I bumped into my um my French teacher actually because he lives in in a in the town just around the corner from me now and he was sort of asking uh, what I was doing and he said you didn't you didn't finish learning French and he's like no, I was no good at it at school. <laughs> Onward connections to Asia, Canada and the US are are available with the airline's newest co-chair partners Cathay Pacific, Finnair and Aer Lingus when flights are booked either directly from those airlines or through a local travel agent. So it's uh So Flybe mm. as of last month mm-hmm. uh, had uh, 11 Embraer 175s. Right. 11 Embraer E195s mm-hmm. and uh, 45 Bombardier-8Q400s, which right. are the turboprop um, aircraft. Um, and the fleet size totaling 67 aircraft, which Gosh. is not bad for a small little um, no, indeed. airline. Yeah. Wow. Mm, I guess it's the Embraers they'll be using for, for these routes in this story here. It's a yes. little bit too far for the, for the turboprop. Oh, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To yeah, go yeah. comfortably. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, as I suppose, and that's the advantage about the co-chair deal, isn't it? I suppose that they can... Uh, they can uh, they can do connecting flights yes, with, with uh, bigger airlines. With yeah. bigger airlines, yeah, which yeah. is good. Which is good. Okay, on to our final oh, story then. Oh yes. So the next story then is all yours, Pip, and this is a safe story or safety-related story. Ah. It is. This is a Qantas A380 damaged in maintenance incident. This is from uh, Flight Global website. A Qantas Airways Airbus A380 is expected to be out of service for around six weeks after it was damaged while under maintenance in Sydney. The aircraft involved bears the registration Victor Hotel Oscar Quebec Foxtrot, and the incident happened in the weekend uh, ended 17th of April. During scheduled maintenance in Sydney, one of our A380s was damaged. We've engaged Airbus technical support to get the aircraft repaired as soon as possible, the carrier says in a statement sent to Flight Global. The airline, however, would not disclose the extent of the damage from the incident. With the A380 out of service, Qantas will substitute a Boeing 747-400s on some of its services from Sydney and Melbourne to Los Angeles. Flight Global's Ascend fleet database shows that Qantas has 12 A380s in its fleet and eight more on order. It also has 12 747-400s. Well, that's all a bit vague, isn't it? I wonder I wonder what the yeah, incident was. I wonder what that was. It's got to be something pretty major if it's going to be I've, out for six I've just weeks. looked on. Um, I've just looked on to try and find and see what if they if there's any other stories yeah. that say what damage was. And there, there is none. Right. No one's so saying anything all about very tight lipped. Um, yeah. Perhaps uh, Stephen Grant know more than us. Possibly about yeah. this particular mm, incident. Could be anything. Well, it just it's obviously something fairly serious if it's out of action for six weeks. I mean, it, it sounds like something. Structural, like they've nearly ripped a wing off. Well, it's while under maintenance, so something you know yeah. they're, they're they're they've moved into their something. workshop and screwed up something yeah. basically. I think. Well, vaguely related, you'd be surprised how often when we go to pick up an aircraft from maintenance that it's not ready, that we find something wrong with it either before we take off or you know during that flight out yeah. of the maintenance facility. Probably something approaching fifty percent of the time we have oh. to reject the aircraft for one reason or the other. Wow. It's quite amazing. That's a that's a serious responsibility for, for for your point of view, though. I suppose when you go to collect it, because you're essentially signing off as to whether it's okay or not as as the pilot, I guess. That's it. Yeah. And so we we take a good few hours. Mm. You know, I said earlier we could get the whole thing up and running in less than mm. thirty minutes. But if we're picking up out of maintenance, no, definitely not. We'll we'll mm. take a couple of hours. We'll have a jolly good look around, look at the paperwork, try and understand what work they've done. 
and you know have a look around the aircraft literally and, you know sometimes you find i don't know spanners in various <laughs> maintenance bays yeah or um, all kinds of stuff so you've literally got to go over it with a fine tooth comb to make sure nothing's pretty much not, yeah not i, I get a, that it you know be. put my rags on get a torch and, and climb up into the spaces so and, and fine tooth comb go over it with a magnet i think well yes just to pick true. up all the spanners, spanners and screwdrivers and left yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh dear anyway on to the next story then this is flight global again and uh, the headline is Uni- united converts 10787 orders into 777-300 er's united airlines has converted 10 firm orders for the Boeing 787 to the 777-300ER. The 777s will be delivered from 2016, says the Chicago-based carrier. It cites the larger wide body, uh, the larger wide bodies, attractive upgauge and range opportunities as factors in its decision. These changes are part of our strategy to improve operational reliability, grow capacity with demand and enable us to achieve our long-term goal to improve margins and return on invested capital, says John Rainey, United's finance chief, in a statement on the order and other fleet changes. Flight Global's Ascend's fleet database shows that United has firm orders for 48787s, comprising uh, 27-10s and 21-9s. However, the airline has not disclosed which variants it has converted to the 777. The 777-300ER order is valued at $3.3 billion at list prices. United had said in January that it is considering converting existing wide body orders to the 777-300 ER. Right, now, I need to ask both of you questions here. <laughs> Fire away. Why? What's the what's so special? Why are they ditching the 787 for the 777? Uh, I mean, other than they saying that they basically the way I read that they prefer the landing gear. Have I misunderstood? Well, I, I think I think they I think they've already got I mean, uh, they've already got uh, United. Have already got triple sevens in their fleet, right? Uh, the obviously the Dreamline is a fairly new yeah. um, aircraft. The triple seven three hundred ER yeah. has a, a a unit cost of three hundred and twenty million. Yeah, for the aircraft, the Dreamliner is actually uh, a lot cheaper, two hundred and eighteen. Right. Million. I'm just intrigued to know why that. The, I mean, they, they haven't ditched their entire seven eight seven. Oh no, they? no, no. But they they decided whether it's they're changing. Convert, are yeah. they slightly smaller? What what's the the triple seven three hundred er? I think that holds more people. Yeah, I right. think it's bigger than a seven eight seven. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is it may, maybe going on more profitable routes? Maybe. I think it all comes down to economics. Yeah. They would have looked mm. at their sums very carefully and worked out. Yeah. Even if the aircraft's more expensive to buy, that they can generate more revenue, more bugs on seats, basically. Yeah. But the trainings, I, tra- I think the training is fairly similar, though, Pip, because the triple seven obviously shares a, a lot of uh, similar um, things on the flight deck as to the seven eight seven Dreamliner. Mm. Yeah, could be. Well, well, there we are. As I said, well, at least they have. I mean, they haven't cancelled orders, have they? They've just sort no. of changed it. So United, uh... and it's still Boeing. Boeing are still um, <laughs> yes, it's, still, they haven't still, they haven't still ditched there. ten no, of them no. for an Airbus. I suppose that's no. the that's the thing. Anyway, on so to our final story for we'll the, save for the guest. Indeed, yes, yes. for for the uh, the uh, civil aviation section. And... Okay, so final story then. Yep, this is another EasyJet story. And it says EasyJet passengers charge £10 to prove flights are cancelled. Oh, dear. <laughs> Stranded EasyJet passengers are being charged a £10 fee to prove their flight was cancelled. 
customers seeking to claim money back from travel insurers after French air traffic strike affected flights earlier this month were hit with the charge. The budget airline asked passengers to provide a letter confirming the cancellation, but they were also told to pay a £10 administration charge. <laughs> An email sent to customers said, we can certainly send you a letter to help you claim on your insurance. That's not a problem. There is a small administration fee of £10 for the letter, which should be able to claim back through your insurer. A spokesman for EasyJet told the Daily Mail, the administration charge for the letter is applied because each letter has to be individually researched and created for each passenger. Uh, the Association of European Airlines has said no other airline has attempted to charge this fee and said passengers should not have to pay for it. No. Earlier this month, thousands of flights across Europe were cancelled following an air traffic strike by French air traffic controllers. Well, that's a big surprise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the controllers are scheduled to stage another stoppage April 29th to May 2nd, so just in a couple of days' time. So that's another bit of good news. Mm. Especially for... <laughs> yeah, you see, well, I suppose it makes a change. The French are usually putting, sort of barricading the roads with tractors, so I suppose it's only fair that they you know, branch out into aviation as well. Mm. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just a sport for them, isn't it? They love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, suppose, I suppose it's tricky, isn't it? It's the, the only way the government seems to listen these days. If we all, and we, We're getting a bit of a culture of doing that here in the UK, aren't we, now, I think. It's the only way people will listen is if you all go on strike en masse. But uh, there we are. Mi mixed feelings on, on mm. that issue. But a, a £10 fee, I, yeah, it's I mean, too much, it's just yeah. ridiculous, honestly. Yeah. And, I mean, seriously, how much does it actually cost for you to do a mail merge? I mean, that's essentially mm. what they're doing, isn't it? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's not a customised letter, is it? All you're doing is putting in a, a paragraph that that has the flight number that they were in, their oh, name email and it. their address. Yeah, email it. Yeah, it's 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 and crazy. then print it out on yeah. your own printer. Well, well, they make you do that with your boarding pass and things like that. Yeah. And let's not, yeah, exactly. There's nothing yeah. more security conscious than one of those, is so, there? So, so really, we should be we should be charging um, Ryanair and EasyJet. We should be charging them because we've got to print our tickets out. That's true. Are we yes. using our ink, our oh, paper? Let's be fair. As we covered last week, <laughs> you can use the app. Yes, yes. And I, I must yes. admit, I used that uh, <laughs> Luton. Uh, I I used it very successfully at Luton. Uh, this was with Ryanair, and it was very strange because I just handed them my phone, and they they scanned the. The, the the QR code that was basically on the screen. Uh, it was really quite uh, really. I was really quite impressed at how that worked. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I use the same one for British Airways. It um, makes life very easy. The apps. I've yeah. not downloaded the EasyJet one yet, but maybe I will. Yeah, it's uh, well, and if you if you're a, a, an iPhone user, as we covered last week, of course, they, you know you now get. Uh, I dare say it's not an issue for you, Pip, because you probably know the layout already. But for people like me who don't fly very often, it sort of tells you what get, where where the gate is that you've got to go to, and all sorts of built into this new app. So it's all 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 very mm -hmm. all very. Well, snowy. if it's at Luton, any gate at Luton will be at least. A twenty-minute walk. At the least. opposite yes. end of the airport. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Do you know what? That's that's why I dread flying from there. Yeah. Because yeah. especially if you fly with Ryanair, mm. because the 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 walk is it's a long. It's way. good. It yeah, is a long good way. Mm. Well, and we, we've covered it in previous stories before because it's like I mean it is an issue for for my mum because her mobility is not not what it used to be sadly and. Uh, it is, you know, we'd we'd gone to uh, Lanzarote and we were flying from Luton, and it was it was it took us nearly forty minutes because of the the pace that Mum can walk at, and there was we asked if there was any help available, and there wasn't any, and that that's the thing that really got me is there was no there was no help available to get you to to where it was in you know in Mum's case where she had mobility issues anyway, mm, but that's just um, you know the start of the problems at Luton. Mm. It's 
from the, the moment you arrive there, yeah. you've got to, you know, if you want to drop someone off, you've got to yeah. pay two pounds. Yeah. If you want to then put your luggage on a trolley, yeah. well, that'll cost you two pounds. Yeah. If you want to uh, get one of those little plastic bags to yeah. put your stuff into for security, well, guess what? That'll cost you two, two pounds. pounds. Yes. <laughs> if you, you can even jump the queue, the security queue, oh, I love that for bit. a cost yeah. of five pounds. Oh, oh five pounds. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's five pounds. Ch- change the, the number queue. for that one. Yeah. The, uh, the whole, oh, Luton Airport. You know, as a, from a pilot point of view, to operate in and out of it's, you know, it's as good as any other airport. Right. No problems at all. But from a passenger point of view, mm. it's horrendous. They, sh- you know, shove you around like cattle. The staff there go on some must go on some training courses in how to be rude and aggressive <laughs> <laughs> and unhelpful. Yeah, well, and, that, and that's worrying coming from from your point of view. Obviously, where, where I mean, you're, you're you're one way, you know, several steps up above the rest of us who are who are trying to use Luton Airport. I mean, it's just uh, it, it, it's sort of worrying. I mean, they've got these little machines, haven't they? When you come out of various toilets and shops and that, where you can see how oh, was your yeah. experience. <laughs> I dare say there's more negative than positive. Do you think the alterations, because they they've got this big expansion plan? Yeah, we you, covered that in the last. Do show, you think yeah. that will help? Do you think that yeah, might make I, things well, better? I, I haven't seen them. I don't know exactly what they're doing. Um, I, I don't think they've. To be been... honest, I don't know. I mean, the, the walk to the gates can be a bit of a, a hassle, as you yeah. said. But that's you know that's the least of their problems. It's just yeah, just their attitude and their you know it's it's a budget airport for budget airlines. Yeah, they can I, charge for everything. You know why charge for a trolley? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who's who's going to nick one? <laughs> well, that's it. And you know, inevitably, you turn up and you, you haven't got change in your pocket, yeah. mm. or you've only got your euros because you sort of spent most of your English money at the service station on the way there, so that you, you know, it's. Uh... That's it. Yeah. yeah, this is true. Yeah, right. Well, that, that brings uh, this section to a close. It's time for a quick coffee break, and then we'll be back very shortly with our, our military section. So, if you, yes, if my, you want to, my brain's melted. I'm sorry. Matt's brain's melted. So, yes, uh, <laughs> join us back after uh, after yes. these few messages. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. <laughs> okay, so we're back then in the studio yes, after it, a coffee break. Fair to say it's now really chucking it's it down really, yeah, well, apologies, apologies for a little yeah. bit of uh, a noise in the background here. It, mm. it, wait, it hasn't rained for ages and every single time that we're <laughs> in the conservatory studio, you can almost guarantee it's, it's like a barometer really. It's like if, oh, we, no. if we're recording, then it will rain. So, Pip, Pip, you okay? I'm still here. Excellent. Oh, good. He's got his chocolate digestives. He's in. Uh, I've got my chocolate digestives. I've got a cup of tea in my plain safety podcast mug. 
Hey. Hello, cheeky oh. little punk there. Honestly, I'll just send you a picture of it. Actually. Oh, okay, cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I should look with it. Yes, that's the only thing we haven't got. We've, we've got your, we've got mugs, but only over at um at the at kitchen mine, studio. Yeah. I'm going to have to get you a mug then. Yes, yes. Um, other than right. me, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the mandatory mug joke. Moving on. Actually, we need to send Pip a t-shirt, don't we? we? Do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah we'll, right. we'll yeah. grab grab Definitely. grab his address. We'll send He'll a t-shirt. Need exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. Yes, we're going to kick off then uh, with our second uh, segment of the show, yes. the military news yep. segment. So if you're ready, Matt, mm. and Pip. Sorry, I was ready, drinking, drinking my coffee, sorry. Let's go. Pip joining in there with a jingle. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. Okay, so the first story then on Flight Global site. And um, this one is regarding the H225M. And Poland uh, selects the H225M for tri-service helicopter deal. Poland has selected the Airbus helicopter's H225M, Caracal, for its tri-service rotor acquisition, but has trimmed the overall requirement from 70 down to 50 units. Warsaw says the 11-ton class helicopter will now perform verification checks in late May and June to ensure its suitability for the intended missions. The Airbus helicopter, which uh, will locally assemble the uh, rotorcraft, edged out offers from PZL Swinnik, which proposed the Augusta Westland AW149 and Sikorsky and its local subsidiary, PZL Milek, which offered the S-70i Blackhawk and S-70B Seahawk. These did not meet the formal requirements of the tender, says the nation's uh, defence ministry. Subject to successful trials and offset agreements, uh, deliveries of the new helicopters are due to begin from 2017, says the ministry. No value has been given for the contract at this stage, it says, with this figure to be presented after the conclusion of the offset and delivery. Warsaw has initially planned to acquire 70 helicopters, but this figure has been cut by 20 units, with the nation instead to extend, or nation instead to extend the use of its existing fleet of 40 MIL and I-17 helicopters into the next decade. Blimey, they're old ones. Mm. We are now preparing ourselves for the next steps of the tender process, cooperating during this test period to answer all requests and questions from the Polish Armed Forces and further demonstrate that the Carousel Me matches all criteria of the tender and their operational needs, says Airbus Helicopters. That's pretty. Uh, the picture you've got there in front of you, Matt. Mm. That's fair. That's a fairly good. Uh, it looks like it means business, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that one's got. I think that's got the um, obviously the the right the radar finder, mm. like a submarine kind of finder yeah. defense system, mounted on that. Um, but the H two two five M, obviously being built by Airbus, is another string to Airbus's bow. Yeah. Not with just the civilian uh, side of things, but with their, with their helicopters I didn't as well. Re- I didn't realise that they made helicopters as well, mm. I have to be yeah. honest. Um, yeah. But Bra- uh, Brazil, France, Malaysia and Mexico are all operators, with the uh, Royal Thai Air Force also due to receive its first of six examples soon. Uh, Flight Global's Ascend Fleet rec- uh, records Indonesia as having uh, one example not in current use, while Kazakhstan has also been mentioned as a potential customer uh, a requirement for 20 of the rotorcraft. 
Ascend records that 59 H225Ms are being in current operational use, including nine completed in Brazil by Airbus helicopter subsidiary Helibras. What about that that, uh, that helicopter, uh, Pip? Have you seen that one in uh, in action? I have not. Uh, no, I'd love to contribute something uh, intelligent to this helicopter discussion, but quite honestly, I don't understand helicopters. Never have. <laughs> I'm very much a subscriber to the view that helicopters don't really fly. They're just so ugly, the earth repels them. <laughs> Do not, I hope Jim is not uh, listening to this. That is genuinely uh, uh, the funniest thing I've heard. One of years. our guests, Jim Sevier, <laughs> who we had on the show, who was a helicopter pilot. Uh, yeah. Yes, he was. Sorry, he was. He was yeah, no, 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 no. It's all right. He was. He was. He was quite disparaging, should we say, about the fixed wing yes. um, fraternity. It has to be said. It's. Uh, it is a real skill, though. I mean, that's the one thing we learned yeah. from his interview. Yeah. Is it? It is such a different way of flying in comparison to. I mean, obviously, you you for a living now, Pip. Obviously, but like Carl, learning. Mm. I mean, it, it is the well, whole I, thing bamboozles me. I frankly. tried to fly my my RC helicopter last week, right, and yes. um, put it into the ground very swiftly. Did you? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Have you had to order new parts? No. Oh, right. No. Oh, luckily, yeah. it, it was due to wind. Though, I must admit, it was a bit <laughs> windy. You're to fly them outside? <laughs> no, this is the big one. The, the big one. I oh got. right. Yeah, oh, the, the okay. big helicopter. Oh, I thought you meant like my. my no, <laughs> not not a little one. No, this is this is sort of oh, quite dear. quite a big one, but yeah. yeah. Um, it, 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 it's uh, yeah scary stuff anyway moving on on to the next story this is flight global again and uh, a picture-based story so we'll give you the link obviously to, to have a look at it but the headline is first norwegian f-35 take shape lockheed martin is moving closer to delivering an f-35 uh to its fifth customer nation with norway's first example having had its three fuselage sections joined on the 9th of april currently on the final assembly line in northworth texas uh, Texas uh, aircraft AM1 will now have its control surfaces added along with other systems and its Pratt & Whingy F-135 engine. AM1 is due to roll out of the factory later this year alongside its sister ship AM2, says Lockheed. A third aircraft is also in the early stages of production and will roll out next year. Oslo is committed to acquiring up to 52 conventional takeoff and landing F-35As, including an initial four to be uh, dedicated to training tasks. The Royal Norwegian Air Force will start preparing its pilots to fly the model at an international training facility at Luke AFB in Arizona. Lockheed has so far delivered 30, uh, F-35s to three US armed services, plus the air forces of Australia, the Netherlands and the UK. Italy's first aircraft was also rolled out from a final assembly and checkout facility at Camera base on the 12th of March. A couple of interesting facts then off on yep. the F-35, because mm. we've covered this aircraft quite a few times in the segment. Yep. But uh, a couple of uh, interesting ones uh, you might find uh, quite quite interesting, Pip, is that the F-35 has a full um, panel width glass cockpit, which is uh, also a touchscreen. So not just a display. And the cockpit... It's just, it's just a big iPad. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, and the cockpit has also got a speech recognition system. Oh, hello! Built in, hmm. which is rather cool. Mind you, I learned from your from your podcast. You you have basic speak re speech recognition in in your in your plane, don't you? Me? Yeah. Do I? But did, didn't you uh, don't don't you didn't you say something to it when you were doing your test routine? Oh no, that's the test. That's when you get the whoop whoop pull up. You know the, the when you test the. Um, 
I'm sure you said. I'm sure you spoke a command into it. Maybe I'm dreaming. No, no. definitely not. No, okay. He'd, no, he'd like that. that. Yeah, Pip, Pip would love that. <laughs> yeah. That would be nice. Aircraft, yeah. take off. Okay, yeah, aircraft, take off. Take me somewhere hot. <laughs> yeah, don't care where. Yeah, yeah. I'll just sit here and watch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> aircraft, tea, no sugar. <laughs> <laughs> That's what okay. Cabinet for. <laughs> anyway, on to the next story then, Pip. If you'd oh, like to take this one. Just before we move on, quick yep. question, yes. Carl. Are we going to be seeing the F thirty five at uh, Riyadh or any UK air shows this year? So far, it's not been confirmed. Oh. Um, it's not going to be at the French air show. We do know that. Um, but. As a as in respect to Riyadh, not sure yet. It's not appeared on the um, the actual display list oh. yet, but mm, that could change. You know, we're we're still early days yet. You yeah, know, Riyadh's yeah. not till July. So. No, that's true. Yeah. Fingers and toes all crossed. Mm. Yeah. So um, next story then, Pip. Okay, so this is from Flight Global website. A United States Navy X forty seven B completes air to air refueling test. Mm. Now, you really need to have a look at the picture of this one. Mm. This aircraft is pretty damn cool looking. The U.S. Navy has achieved the final testing objective of its Northrop Grumman X-47B unmanned combat air vehicle demonstrator program following the successful air-to-air refueling of, uh, of the aircraft on April 22nd. The an Amiga K707 tanker transferred some 4,000 pounds of fuel using the Navy's probe and drogue refueling method during the test from uh, NAS, can't say that word, in Maryland, <laughs> which uh, U.S. Naval Air System Command says is the first time a UAV has been refueled mid-flight. Cool. A refueling interface system on board the 707 exchanged messages with the UCAV, which then maneuvered its fixed refueling probe into the tanker's drogue in the same manner that a manned aircraft would be refueled. It adds that similar command and control and navigation processes to those used during the demonstrator's aircraft carrier landing test in 2013 were utilized during the air refueling test. And there's a picture there of this very funky looking aircraft being refueled by it, a. It actually uh, doesn't look any different to a standard sort of jet. You know, it doesn't look massively different to the to the seven three seven. Do you know what I mean? It's got that. What are you talking about? The seven seven. Yeah, the actual tanker. Mm. It, it doesn't really yeah. look any different. I don't know. I guess I thought they'd look different. <laughs> yeah, well, they are so. just regular aircraft. Just mm. you know, with all the seats pulled out and yeah, a big fuel tank put inside. Big, yeah, that's true. But that X forty seven looks looks stunning. Really it does. really does. That looks like something out of Star Trek. Any yeah. Star Trek fans here? Oh, oh very much. Yes, so. yes. I'm oh, very much so, well, it looks yeah. a bit like yes. Voyager, I think. Yes, I'm, it does. Yeah, yes, no, I'll give you that. Yes, yeah. I'm going to go and see Age of Ultron tonight. Can't wait. <laughs> Not Who? Age what? of Ultron. Uh, the 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 new Avengers film. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, oh. No, no, see, just me. Pips okay. the same as me. <laughs> oh no! Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You call yourselves geeks and you're not into Marvel stuff. <laughs> What's the matter with the both of you? I'm ashamed to know you both. No, if you want to talk Star Trek. We can do that. Okay. I'm a fan of that too. See, me and Pip are starting to share so many common yeah. things. That I think my days on this show are very much numbered, <laughs> it has to be said. <laughs> oh dear. Poor Matt, poor oh, Matt. But the point then with this story, this, this yeah. aircraft is uh, another UAV, another drone, an unmanned yes. aerial ah. vehicle. Mm. Uh, so to get this thing, that's quite amazing really, to, to start doing air-to-air refueling with it. With a drone, yeah. Yeah, incredible. Um, I mean, the precision flying you need... Mm. To you know, to hook up to the to the to the fuel line, it's quite something. So to be able to control that from the ground, 
Amazing. I always wonder what happens. I don't know how they control this thing. Obviously, they've got some sort of satellite link. Yeah. So that the, the person flying it on the ground has got a live camera view. Mm. But, uh, you know, we all know what Skype and things like that are like. That You know, we lose the signal. And but then you could... It's I quite mean, scary. I, I, could, I could almost argue, think, if there is somebody sitting on the ground... Um, you know, flying it remotely. If you sort of I mean, what, why, why, why do it remotely? Why not just be in the actual aircraft doing it? If there's somebody on the ground doing it, unless it's you know, unless it's all being run by computer program. If you sort of I mean, so you say, press this button and it will just fly to this particular location. Unless that's why you, why they're doing it that way. But you think, well, if you've got a guy sitting on the ground controlling it remotely, then why 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 is he on the ground? Why can't he be in the aircraft? Am, am, well, I, am I missing something? <laughs> No, but I mean, probably cost. I mean, obviously, mm. it's much safer mm. if the guy on the ground is not being shot at. Well, there as is the that, pilot exactly. of the aircraft might be. Yes, of course. Yeah, yes, I'm, I'm thinking, of course, this is in a military setting, not not yeah. not a uh, civil yeah. aviation. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, then I think probably with one operator on the ground is able to control perhaps two or three of these aircraft at the same time. Right. Yes. I suppose yes, because you can dip in and out, can't you? I suppose while it's en route to. Yeah, While one drone yeah. is on on route to one location, you can then be completing the refueling of another, and one guy could be in charge of two or maybe three of, of these drones, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. then there's a whole other argument to be had about the um, the morality of using drones. You know, it's mm. much easier to fly a drone across to some part of the world and, and drop a ton of bombs on them. Yeah, yeah. It is to do it in person. It, you know, it's much easier to. To kill from a distance. Yes, but, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a topic that, for another podcast. Yeah, as I can yes, say, that's uh, yeah. open that can of worms. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the X forty seven B, apart from having foldable wings that fold upwards when what? it's uh, on the aircraft carrier, yeah, right. the uh, oh, tips of the wings yeah. fold up. Um, the production program or the program mm. costs to date for mm. that uh, particular aircraft are running in towards eight hundred and thirteen million US dollars. Wow, that's a lot. So yeah. it's quite a lot of an investment on that mm. uh, on that on that particular aircraft. On well, they drone. must be, they must be pretty sure that they can mm. they can sort of make it work and make it viable, I guess. Mm. Yeah. So next story mm-hmm. on the defence news site and the Air Force looking at using Ospreys for search and rescue missions. So uh, the Air Force, uh, U.S. Air Force, is looking at big changes to its combat search and rescue fleet, possibly using the tilt rotor Osprey to carry uh, para rescue men in addition to its uh, new combat rescue helicopter. Chief of Staff General Mark Welshed on Wednesday. Uh, the service flies uh, 67 ageing uh, HH-60G Pavehawks to carry its Guardian Angel rescue airmen into combat to rescue troops. The service plans to replace the Pavehawks with the recently named uh, HH-60W Next Generation Blackhawks. And it awarded a $1.2 billion contract for 112 helicopters to a joint Sikorsky and Lockheed Martin team last year. Well said, the services for the past six months studied ways to incorporate Air Force Special Operations Command's CV-22 Ospreys into combat search and rescue, noting that there are scenarios where the faster tilt rotors could be a better fit for rescues. The service's current fleet of 33 Ospreys uh, are used for long-range infiltration and, and exfiltration to resupply for special operations troops. This is an evolution, Welsh said, at an event sponsored by Defence One in Washington, D.C. What's, bet- uh, what's better depends on the scenario. 
For example, if a crew needs to rescue someone in a small clearing or outcrop on a ledge, a more nimble helicopter would be a better fit. Mm. But if a crew needs to cover a lot of ground quickly, for example, in flat lands in Africa or Osprey, would get there and back faster. Welsh noted the 2011 rescue of a downed F-15E pilot in Libya by a Marine Corps uh, M50, uh, MV-22. And uh, the decision to use both aircraft would also require cooperation between two Air Force major commands. Uh, the rescue mission Pavehawks and Pararescue Men are assigned to Air Combat Command, while the Ospreys are part of the Air Force Special Operations Command. I guess this goes a bit back to, to what we were talking about. I mean, the helicopters do very much have their place. Oh, yeah. Um, in, yeah especially in, the Osprey. Because they're so nimble. That, mm. that, that, is the, that is the thing. And I suppose it's the power of being able to... I mean, you can't... Unless it's a, a Harrier or something mm. like that, you can't really hover an aircraft, can you? There, mm. I know there's another another... Type of great for sort of have mission. you um, have you seen the Osprey in action, Pip? Um, I don't recall. Maybe I've seen it in an air show, but with um, no, we don't really get them around here. I know you see them a lot around your neck of the woods. Mm. Yeah, we do. Yeah. 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 Although, yeah. funnily enough, now I'm looking at this picture. Just the other day, I came home and my five-year-old son was mm. all excited and he was saying, "Did you see that big plane?" Mm. I said, "Oh no, I didn't." He said, "Oh, it was big and black and had propellers." I thought, "Oh, maybe it was a Lancaster or something." Yeah. And then he said, "Oh, the propellers were on top of it." Oh, what's he to describe it? So, so these talking about an osprey. So, so the, yeah, so, so the osprey does that move? That? Yeah, they tilt the rotors, right? Yeah, so it can be it can be a helicopter or or a uh, or, or, or a, a plane, plane, a yeah. plane basically. That, that's, that's very a, good. That's a hybrid. Uh, you know, it's the ultimate hybrid. It's awesome. It? Yeah. I, I was lucky enough to go on board one at, at uh, Farnborough in two thousand twelve. Me and my father were taken on board by uh, a team there to to show and around the aircraft. Fantastic, fantastic it is close yeah. up, really is. One, is it, are, are, are there any at Riyadh? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure. I'll have to look on yeah, the okay. uh, the right. list. Well, we'll, of co- what's we'll going cover on. we'll cover um, Riyadh sort of in more detail late late in next week's yeah in next week's next show week, next week's show. So next story, moving on then, and the last story this is, yeah. and we left left this one for Pip indeed. This is for me. Okay, so this is another cool-looking flying machine. Yeah. <laughs> and again from Flight Global, Hero 30 UAV, unmanned aerial vehicle, gets special forces order. Mm. Mm. Special forces of an unnamed country have ordered the Hero 30 unmanned air system developed by Israeli UAV manufacturer uh, Uvi Vision. Uvision. Mm-hmm. The smallest version of the... Of a family of such systems, the Hero 30 is a loitering munition which carries a three kilogram expendable payload in a canister that is also used to house a pneumatic launcher. Equipped with an electro optical slash infrared sensor, the two and a half feet long and 0.8 meters wingspan air vehicle is powered by an electric motor with a flight endurance of 30 minutes. Hmm. Uh, Uvision Chief Executive. Another guy's name I can't pronounce says the cruciform hero design gives the systems super maneuverability. I bet. And the picture here, again, listeners, you mm. need to go and have a look at this. It's yeah. I can't quite describe it. It certainly doesn't look like an aeroplane, does it? it I, looks... I, I think your description earlier, I think when we were talking about this, was brilliant. It basically looked like a washing machine with a uh, flying washing line. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's bizarre. It is it's bizarre. It is a strange thing. Um, it says after launch, the Hero Thirty locks onto a predetermined target and transmits video footage to an operator equipped with a handheld unit. Uh, the air vehicle will loiter in the target area at altitudes between roughly 1,000 and 2,000 feet. 
the data link developed for the system can enable a controller to be up to 10 kilometers from the target, depending on the antenna used. The operator can abort the mission if required. So this is basically a, an, a flying rocket launcher, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it go, goes back to what we were talking about earlier, isn't it? I don't know. I, I'm being very controversial when I say this. I don't know if I like the idea. I mean, obviously, it's safer for everyone involved, but... If you know, if you are in a war zone, I mean, you've got to at least be there. I think I don't know if well, I like the idea of it doing it all remotely. Hardly seems sporting. Maybe I'm looking at it all all wrong. And I mean, obviously, I'm I've been very lucky enough that I, I haven't had to live through war. Obviously, but uh, I don't know. Why can't we all just get on? I suppose. <laughs> well, yeah, it is bizarre, though, isn't it? It's becoming sort of you know, give it another twenty years, and we'll yeah. be into Terminator territory of yeah. drones fighting yeah. drones. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. I will just say we we have been whilst we've been recording this show, we have tried to find out some more we information have. on the Hero Thirty yes. UAV, um, but there just there's literally nothing. There's nothing. I mean, there is almost. Uh, well, as I'm sure everyone knows, there's almost a wiki page for virtually everything. Yeah. Uh, and the only thing that we can find that's vaguely close to it was a, was a, a Japanese computer game that was called Hero 30. That is literally, it's it's the weirdest thing. Normally, you can just type that that in. So um, whether it is literally that fresh off the presses that uh, this is something we need to uh, we need to we need to get hold of um, mm. of Max and uh, yeah. David Vanderhoff about this. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Sort of find out what. Well, I mean, on the subject of drones and that, well, I mean, what were we looking at? We did stum- stumble across the Northrop Gun- Grum- Grumman, uh, the X-47B, didn't we? That was what we were talking about earlier. Um, but um, sort of like the drone drone side of things, but it's all a bit, um, yeah, literally nothing, nothing no, about nothing it. nothing on that at all. At all. Oh, so that brings the military segment to it a does. close. It does, and indeed the end of the show. Yes, we need to wrap up because... Uh, We've run, we've run the longest ever. Yes. I think Paul Pip is about to be yeah. invaded by his returning family any yeah, minute. So. I am. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you for joining us yes. uh, on today's show, Pip. Yeah, it's been oh, I've enjoyed and, it. Thank uh, you. Yeah, it's been good to have you on. Yeah, nice uh, to have you the, live for a change. Yes, in the yeah. flesh, as such. Yeah. Well, down the line, technically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Pip, uh, don't, uh, tell uh, tell the listeners then, uh, in case they don't know, yeah. where they can uh, where they can find you and your show. Okay, well, I've just this morning, literally just before I came on air with you, have published episode 12 of the Plane Safety Podcast. That's on iTunes right now. You can find me on Facebook. Just uh, look for Plane Safety Podcast. There's also a website, planesafetypodcast.com, although I'm currently having some technical issues. Hopefully that will be back soon. And I'm not yet on Twitter, but I'm giving serious consideration to working out how Twitter works nah. and getting on there. Yeah, you should do. Twitter's good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, oh, great. Well, we yeah. shall. Uh, yeah. Don't and forget you can as also well. email me. If, sorry, you can also email me at planesafetypodcast at gmail.com. There we are. And Excellent. you can find Pip as well on iTunes. You can download Pip yep. uh, on iTunes. Same same um, way that you can. Good news you... from us. We're actually on Stitcher as yes. well now um, as well. So you, another place where you can listen to our great, great show. Uh, to get in contact with us, obviously we like your feedback, good or bad. We like to hear yes. all of it. We, it's, 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 so we're making it for you. So uh, feedback about uh, changing it, making sure we're covering the stories you want to hear. Uh, lots of ways to get in touch with that. Don't forget you've got the main website, which is www.plaintalkinguk.com. That's plain spelt P-L-A-N-E. And then, of course, you've got Facebook and Twitter. Twitter, so it's facebook.com forward splash forward splash forward splash forward splash <laughs> forward slash plain talking uk and of course twitter.com forward slash plain talking uk make sure you get in touch we want to hear from you yeah the twitter feeds have gone quite they, 
seem to be going mental at the moment. There's sort of these loads of new uh, followers on Twitter, which is really great. We love that. Yeah. Uh, don't forget uh, as well, uh, we're going to cover a bit more depth the uh, air shows yep. uh, in the next episode, episode yeah. 59. Indeed. And uh, me and Matt will be at React this year. And fingers crossed. Yes. Uh, our good chap on the other end of the line here. Yes. Pip, you're going to be at React as, well. as well. I will be there, definitely, one way or another. Excellent. Good man. I will Excellent. be there. Anyway, time to wrap up. Yeah, it's time to wrap up. So don't forget, join us next week then for episode number 59, 59. of the Plain Talking UK podcast. Thanks ever so much, Thanks Pip. for listening. And yes, thanks again, Pip, for coming on. My pleasure. Good talking to you. Excellent. So from me, Carlos, it's a... It stopped raining. It stopped raining. <laughs> from me, Carlos, it's a uh, weekend happy goodbye. And from you, Matt. Uh, it's a goodbye from him. And from you, Pip. It's a getting a little bit peckish now. I might go and have some cornflakes. Goodbye. Good goodbye. idea. Bye. 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 <laughs>